Welcome to today's episode of the PQI podcast. Today, we welcome Horst Schulze. A legend and leader in the hotel world, Mr. Schulze's teachings and vision have reshaped the concepts of service and hospitality across industries. Mr. Schulze is one of the founding members of the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Company, where he created the operating and service standards that have become world famous. After leaving the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Company, Mr. Schulze went on to found the Capella Hotel Group. Today, he serves as an expert in residence at Archon Tower. He also recently completed his first book titled Excellence Wins. Today, we discuss customer service, the need for care and healthcare, leadership, vision, his book Excellence Wins, and Mr. Schulze's personal cancer story. Encoda is thrilled that he will be a keynote speaker at our 2022 International Spring Forum in Atlanta. Hello, my name is Kevin Scorsone, and I am the Associate Manager of Patient-Centered Initiatives and ENCODA's Legislative and Policy Liaison. Join us for this year's ENCODA International Spring Forum, April 27th through the 29th at the Atlanta Marriott Marquis in Atlanta, Georgia. This year's meeting theme is the dynamic world of oncology, the medically integrated practice and ENCODA partnering for patient success. The forum includes more than 30 sessions, breakout tracks for clinical, pharmacy technicians, nurses, business and operations, and so much more. CE will be offered for pharmacists, pharmacy technicians, physicians, and nurses. Registration is limited, and you must be an ENCODA member to participate. Register today. Thank you so much. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mr. Schulze, for being with us today. Um, and I know I, I know who you are well. Um, I have first heard of you on an Andy Stanley podcast, oh. and I, lo- I loved what you had to say. Um, I always love what he has to say, too. But And then I have read your book, um, Excellence Wins, which we will talk about later. But for the rest of our audience, will you please introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your background and your current role? Well, simply, my name is Horst Schulze, as has been said, and my life, I'm actually originally from Germany, a small town in Germany. I came to the U.S. in 1964, so I'm here a few years. It's been just a few. still have an accent. Everybody tells me that. I but anyway, it. yeah, and I'm, I live my life in the hotel world. I left home, in fact, my small village and moved into a dorm room in the best hotel in the region, which unfortunately was 100 miles, 100 kilometers away from my home. And at that time, that was very far. And I worked there as a busboy when I was 14. So I left home when I was 14 to work as a busboy in a hotel and never left the hotel world. And I enjoyed every day in it. And that now, now you're a legend there. So yeah, that's what they say. Yeah, but that worries me because legends are usually dead. You know. Oh no, no, no! You, you still, you still good. <laughs> and then, um, so I know. Will you tell us just a little about your career too? I know you were. A oh, of yeah. Well, and, 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 and let me let me touch on that. In fact, when I started the first day in that hotel in Germany. The channel manager spoke to me and said, guests are very important here and you are here to serve. And my parents told me, now behave yourself. Uh, we, we could never go to a fine hotel like that and all that stuff. And then I met the maitre d' whom I worked for, uh, the head of food and beverage for the hotel. And he said, now tomorrow, show up at seven o'clock. If I meant one minute after seven, I would tell you so. I mean, <sighs> seven o'clock. 
and do not come here to work. Come here to be excellent in what you're doing. Now with 14, that went over my head. I can't, I have a 10 year old and I can't, a 10 year old boy, I can't imagine in four yeah, years. It went over my head and for what is so excellent in washing dishes because that's what I was doing, washing dishes, cleaning floors and so on. And that's how it started. But after the, after a couple of years I had learned what excellence meant in the, because that gentleman was an, a gentleman of excellence. In fact, once a week, typical in Germany, I went to hotel school. Okay. And one year, one year in, we were asked by the teacher to write an essay about what we now think about our hotel business. And I wrote about that matter, the human being of excellence. And I wrote the story that he was so respected by every guest, it was unbelievable. And so I realized that he was respected because he defined himself as a person of excellence. Okay. And so I wrote a story and named that story, we are ladies and gentlemen, serving ladies and gentlemen, which eventually, and I got an A, that's why I, <laughs> it stayed with me. It was the only A I ever had. So, it's literally, <laughs> so when I started Ritz-Carlton, when I started the Ritz-Carlton Tech Company, I made that the motto of our company. We are ladies and gentlemen, we're not servants. Unless we define ourselves and act like it. Yes. If we act like professionals that serve ladies and gentlemen with the proper way, then we are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. So that's what it was. In fact, the last day I worked in that hotel after three and a half years, he said, look me in the eyes, never go to work to work, always go to work to create excellence. I love that. Yeah. I know our CEO here is big, big on excellence and he says nothing, we don't do anything gepo, which I guess is good enough, proceed on. Um, he's very big on excellence. So he's read your book as well. Um, but, and I love the ladies and gentlemen. Um, I just think speaking worth into everyone is so important and giving them, you know, a purpose. The thing with excellence is, and I have to touch on because I, I heard that word by people and it seems to, when I heard it, most of them, they don't even know what it means. Excellence in a thing, in a thing is very simply, if it works well for what it was created. Yes. Excellence in a human being though, is if I do my very best in the functioning of my life, but also as a human being, if I do my very best in the relationships, that includes passing somebody in the street. Yes. And, and of course, that means doing my very best morally and ethically. And if I do my very best in those three things, I'm a young being of excellence. Yes. Love it. So spe speaking of excellence, um, you wrote a book titled Excellence Wins, A No-Nonsense Guide to Becoming the Best in a World of Compromise. So I, you've given us a little picture into it already, but why did you write the book and what audience do you think it speaks to? And then I know you've, you've just defined excellence, but why do you think it's so hard to find in our culture today? Like it, it really, I feel like it really stands out as a value. Because we are rewarded and applauded by other things. Uh, the CEO of, the, of a company is not rewarded by excellence in their 
service delivery in their product, they're rewarded based on their reporting to Wall Street. Yes. And, and so on by manipulations of money and by all kinds of things. So, so they, so obviously if I'm the CEO of a company and my, my survival and my big bonus and, and everything and my recognition and my, the write up and the paper about me is based on my profit. That's what I concentrate on rather than concentrating on the things that create profit. That means the product. So if I don't create a create product profit because of product, I have to create it by shortcutting guests, shortcutting employees, shortcutting everything else. Yes. So I concentrate on that, unfortunately. And that is the, that's how we are set up as a society. Yes. And then, so how, how does your philosophy and what's in the book kind of change, change that? Well, and then, and, and why do you write a book? I want to make a, a statement to, to CEOs that may read it. I want to make them, I want to make them, I want to make them feel embarrassed a little bit <laughs> to think about it. And, and I, I wrote it in a way that, so that young people would read it. I, I, because usually when I, re, I read a lot of business books, but I always read them halfway through and then I get bored when I put them away. I want to read the book as a story so that young people would actually read the story. Yes. And that's, that's why the way I'm done, of course, make my points, my business points in, in these stories. And that's why I wrote it the way I did. So it was meant for young people and for business people. I want young people to say, yeah, I, oh yeah, that's right. I can do that. Yes. And, and I wanted a, a, the CEO saying, oh man, yeah, I should pay more attention to employees. I should pay more attention to customers. I should pay more attention what customers really want and not what my what what the moment of anxiety to Wall Street dictates. Absolutely. And then a lot of our membership, our healthcare, or all of our membership are oncology healthcare providers. Um, so we have pharmacists, pharmacy technicians, as we talked about, physicians and nurses, um, and even some administrators, other, other members of the team. So what do you think is most important for them to know about customer service? Well, I'm, I'm very, well, of course, just so you know, my emotion about that question is simply, I have a daughter who two, two a year ago went through three brain operations. Oh my gosh. Uh, oncology, a cancer where I was told to get my stuff ready, I would, so I would have only a year to live. That was 25 years ago. I, my, my wife had cancer. So oh, I had to do a lot with cancer. And yeah. I was on the board of a cancer company, cancer company, hospitals for a long time. So I'm very closely related to it. And what is still an enigma for me, why healthcare as a whole, not only oncology, but oncology, I think more, more important is an enigma why, why we don't understand that our relationship has a lot to do with the healing of the customer. Yes. I mean, relationship means service. Excellence in a human being is not just functioning, it's relationship too. In relationship, in my opinion, particularly in oncology, in all healthcare, is part of the if, if if it should be part of the treatment, the proper relationship be part of the treatment and the care. She has to have an MRI every two months, and she has another MRI coming in a week from now, and we are 
after she has a clear MRI, we're all celebrating for three days and then we worry about the next one. <laughs> awesome. Very, I, yes, I, on the podcast, they know I had non-Hodgkin's lymphomas in, in my twenties and a stem cell transplant and all of that. So I, mm-hmm. I understand the living scan to scan. Um, yeah. Never, it's never a fun time. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, and I'm sure the doctors know, but they, but they have to teach themselves. There's pe- poor people constantly, constantly. But your 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 role is nevertheless to show them caring, show them not just care in your heart and your mind, but show it to them. Well, so how do we learn that? Very simply, you yeah. learn caring after every meeting with a patient. Step back and say, how can, how could I have done that better? Yes. In fact, do that as a pharmacist. How could I do that better? I mean, in fact, do it, do it all the time because relationship is part of who we are. And if I'm a person of excellence, I have to improve. Yes. And that um, I know struck me on, on the podcast I've heard you on and in the book of the training of employees. So, but it's how, how do we instill that into our, you know, the pharmacy technician who's going to greet the patient and check them out um, for their prescription? Like what, how, what are the ways that we can, as managers, to start to train our staff in oh, this care well, if, customer service? As managers, as leaders, <laughs> that's, what, that's where it comes from. My goodness, if the, if the employee is not doing a good job, whose fault is it? Not his or hers, not his. Maybe he was raised wrong by his mother. The problem of a bad employee, there are three areas where, where the, where the where you have to make sure they're not bad or where you or where, where, where you where you impacted. Number one in the selection. Yes. I don't hire the wrong person. Number two in the orientation. That's a key element. The first day of work is a key moment. What do you orient them to? What do you do the first day with an employee? I can tell you what you do because I see it everywhere. You let them fill out all kinds of papers. And then the, the boss comes and talks to them and says, we're a team here. This silly statement of a team. What, what is a team? A team has, has a common purpose together. So yeah. why not first tell them, here's our purpose. We want to be known as the best. Why? So that you will be respected. So we will be respected. You know, the orientation. And then what, what we do? What we do the first day? We say, we're a team here. Now. Bill, the new pharmacist, if you will, work with Joe over here. He knows the ropes. Wait a minute. Are you in the rope business? Yes. So we turn him over to Joe. And on the way to work, Joe tells Bill, the new, the new, employee, the new employees, this company sucks. That's his orientation. What yeah. do we expect? You know, the first 50 year is Cardinal Hotels. No matter where they were, Shanghai, Berlin, Philadelphia, it doesn't matter, Indonesia, I in, talk to the first employees first. Yes. Not in the, in, the, or, or in the ongoing hotel, but in the new hotel. I told them, don't come to work every day. Come here to be excellent in what you're doing. Come here to join a dream. Join, don't, don't just fulfill a function. Come here to accomplish a great purpose for us all and here's how we will vision and here's what we have to do in order to be the best in the world be here's what our customer expect i introduced it 
Yes. And, and no matter where, I, every hotel we opened or took over, I spent three weeks teaching. I love you know, it. So we, I didn't turn them over to another employees to, so that another employees can tell them the ropes. Yes. And I told them constantly, a team, by the way, is a group of people who have a common objective and help each other toward that objective. Now, if I just say we're a team that I haven't given, the, I'm not a, I'm a team once I tell them the objective. And I said in, 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 in a relationship where you help each other to get that objective. But that objective should be good for all, should be good for the employee, should be good for the customer, should be good for the organization. And in fact, should be good for society. Yes, I think it's so, that's a very rare training that we have these days. And then I know you also state that you repeat it quite often. Um, so you kind of set yeah. the vision and the purpose and then you repeat yeah. it. Um, yeah. we, well, we, we established 20 points which are essential to keep alive in the organization. That is of course the vision, the mission, the, the objectives and the expectations of the customer. So we had 20 points. We repeated one of those points every day. For example, today it may be, I have no idea what this today. It may, be, <laughs> it may be point number 11, which says, if you get a complaint, you own it. That yeah. means if you, the boss boy, get a complaint about the, the TV, you first listen, you show empathy, you then apologize and you uh, make amends. In fact, we said, you can make a decision to correct up to $2,000, any employee, anybody. So you make sure you keep the customer yes. because I don't want one customer to leave the hotel and talk negative about us, which is dangerous because today they go on, on social network on, and become terrorists against you. Yes. So, so we had a system where we empower them. We discussed that point today and teach that point again. And in every location today, in every location, in every shift, we are 24 hour business. We remind everybody of that service principle of the day. In 20 days, they have to listen to it again. Tomorrow, it happens to be on the 12th, it happens to be the 12th. One happens to be, if a guest for asks for direction, don't point. Take him there. And then on the way there, create a relationship. Yes, I, I love it. You you have them all memorized. I, yeah, I maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe by now, perhaps. Yeah, I have. <laughs> um, so again, since we have um, a lot of healthcare providers, you have an entire section in the book dedicated to engaging employees. And in the last couple of years, our healthcare employees have been kind of kind of stressed to the max a bit. Um, and, and a lot of them I talked to are experiencing a good deal of burnout. Um, so can you talk more about the information in this section and how our organizations can better engage our employees? Well, well, a part of, you see, this, what I told you, this meeting every day, 10 minutes, we not only discussed this principle of the day, we also shared letters from employee, from customers. Okay. And, and it may be about this principle that we discussed, there are letters, there are always around the world, letters come in and we share with them 
what's happening. We also share with the employees that they, what is happening in the company, big promotions, a new, new hotel being signed up, et cetera, et cetera, so that the employee feels constantly part of the organization. You see, uh, we, we, we should know that as uh, educated people, uh, Aristotle already said, in order for people to be fulfilled, you need purpose and belonging. So we, we keep on telling them the purpose of our company is to become the best in order to be respected, to have more opportunities and so on. We keep on telling them that and, 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 and keep on informing them of the company at the same time so that this belonging comes in. And of course, this was very important for us because we have hotels around the world. In, in five continents, I had to have, make sure that the same dialogue is the same narrative is being discussed in every hotel ongoing. So the culture is the same. It's a rich Carlton culture or Capella culture. By the way, Capella Hotel Company, I started after Ritz Carlton and it's now voted best hotel company in the world. And the hotel, the Capella in, in, uh, in Bali is voted best hotel in the world. Well, I sold the company two years ago. But the philosophy works. And with other companies I work with, it works. Simple as that. If I can mobilize every thought of every employee in the organization and mobilize them toward a common objective and mobilize them toward what the customer expect from us, I have a greater organization. At the okay. same time, I can mobilize them to work efficiently. That means saving money. Uh, rather than what companies generally do is cost-cutting. Cost-cutting means I take something away from the customer so it costs me less. Mm -hmm. I take the flowers away from the lobby. I stop the piano from playing. And pretty soon the corporate office will applaud and say, good cost-cutting, while I'm destroying the company. The yeah. So efficiency, I can mobilize every employee around that with my right communication, with my right sense of giving them a sense of belonging. That's why our employees, we didn't pay more. Well, they made more because they get more tip from better <laughs> customer base, yeah. from better customer base. Yes. But we create an environment, we, we nevertheless, we had an employee turnover, and some of may, you may think that's very high, of about 18%. Yeah, but the industry was running at a turnover of 120%. Yes, 120. So we, we kept the teaching in the organization where our competition lost it through the back door. But yeah. by, by creating an environment of belonging and purpose for the employee. And why wouldn't we do that when we know that people need that for fulfillment? Particularly you, you the, 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 the millennials. <laughs> <laughs> what do the millennials say? We, we studied that. What do the millennials say? The, the millennials say, what is in it for me? Yes. Well, let, I'm telling you what's in it for me. You will be known. If we become the best in the world, you will be known as somebody special. You will make more money. I'm telling you. And of course, the millennials also say, and we have to understand that as a market, the millennials say, do it my way. With, with other words, individualization today is essential. Yes. Look at each one as a different individual in, in the behavioral element, 
in the relationship element and in the product demand element. They okay. said, do it my way. When I look for a, for a McDonald, I say a number one. The, 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 the millennials say, I have to have a number one, but I take two slices of tomato, half a pickle, that, 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 that. Yes. So, so individualization has become, and so I have to understand that and deliver that also to my employees and connect them that they have it with me. Okay. So it, it, is, it is managing, and that's called leading, and that's called leading. I, I manage principles, I manage systems, I manage controls and measurements and all that and processes, but I lead people. Yes. People are the most difficult. <laughs> and because of the uniqueness, is that difficult, but nevertheless, that's what, what our role is as leaders. Yes. And, and it's kind of, it's an honor because I, 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 as a leader, I can positively influence a lot of people. There's no higher honor than that. The life of many people. Yes. What, what, what higher honor could we have? We couldn't. That's very true. Um, I, I love that thought. So in, in that, in the team, and um, what we've been talking about, you also talk about customer service being everybody's job. Um, so after, after you've incorporated them and made them feel part of the team, um, it's their job now to perform customer service for you. So can you talk more about how it is everybody's job from the yeah. bellman to you know, the, the hotel manager, or I guess in our case from the janitor, the pharmacy technician and to the CEO of the whole hospital, the organization. Yeah, and, and again, it was, it, it is made very clear during the select, during the hiring process, selection process already. Okay. It's a key discussion during the first day. So the first day, let me, let me address that for a moment. The first day is very, very important because much of what you want from your employees, everybody, that behavior is, is a behavior. Yet behavior cannot be taught because behavior is set by the time you're 16 years old. Mm -hmm. It can be taught, however, when there is a significant emotional event in a person's life. And the first day of work is a significant emotional event. Mm -hmm. Rather than letting them fill out papers and turn them over to anybody else, have a clear plan how you teach them and show them what's the right behavior in your organization toward the customer. So we teach them, here's the expectation of the customer, here's what we, how we do it. Okay. That is what you're here for. So connect them to those behaviors. We, we tell them that we don't accept if you come late. We, we want you to be in time. We, we tell them those things that are behaviorally will make an impact on the company by them and they will benefit from. And we connect that all the okay. first day. The second day, we teach them those 20 principles. Yes. They are still behavioral related, most of them. And by that time, you can't teach it anymore. Then we start teaching function. Okay. You so know? that doesn't so, even come until the third day. <laughs> yeah, we start slightly on the third day. Okay. But because function can always be taught. Yes but not behavior. That's why I, the orientation is so essential. You cannot turn over that behavioral learning which they have the first day 
to just another employee. Mm -hmm. That was my point. Okay. And then the last section of your book is about leadership, which we just talked about a little, um, yeah. vision and the importance of measurement. So will you talk to us a little about the importance of a vision statement yeah. and then the importance of everyone keeping focus on that mission? Yeah. Well, again, again, the purpose has to be established. I have to, as a leader, <clears throat> establish a vision. That, that means that's the purpose of the company. Our vision in Ritz-Carlton, since everybody knows Ritz-Carlton, uh, was simply when we started, before we had one hotel, I established, we will create the finest hotel company in the world. That was my reason to join this new hotel company. I had a great job with golden handcuffs and everything. To join them, they had two hotels in construction. And after I joined them a little year, over a year later, we opened our first hotel, which was in Atlanta. Now, once I established that vision for the company, that purpose, I have to question myself as a leader, is this good for all concerned? Is, is it good for me? It has to be. Is it good for the investors? It has to be. Is it good for every employee? It has to be. Is it good for every guest? Is it good for society as a whole? Once I answered that clearly, now I, I, I even go went a step further and, you, and I'm not trying to sell something here, I'm just telling you what I did. I questioned myself very careful, would God approve? Yes. And then go on, then say yes. And if I said yes with everything, as a leader now, I have no more right to compromise it. It's over because it's good for all concerned. I now know what to do. And I now will have to say, now let me, now, let me, let me explain for a moment, what's the difference between a leader and a manager? Okay, everybody has this discussion. Yes. Over here, think about over here on the left, there are all kinds of people there. That is your market, your customer, potential, or, or they are, or their potential. On the right, there are all kinds of people too. Those are your employees. If I'm a great company, I know what that customer ex is expecting from me. I now make sure, I make sure that my employees understand what they're expecting from me. Okay. And as a manager, I will now establish processes, system measurements and controls to be sure it happens. Yes. That's simple. Now, as a leader though, I create an environment where the employee has to do it, want to do it, not has to do it. Yes. Now I create that environment by connecting them to the outcomes by connecting them to the vision, by connecting them how they will benefit if the vision is accomplished, how they will benefit from that. I have to connect that. So if I connect that all and I create an environment where they want to do it, by them being part, because they joined in wanting to be the best in the world and they know that it will benefit from it. Now they become part and I keep on letting them part by letting them know what had company. Now I have a functional organization. Yes. And a leadership organization rather than a managed organization. Now, managers will create often good results. And you have to be, as a leader, you need management, obviously. You have to be a leader. But just leadership without management doesn't work. Yes. But leadership with good management is ideal. 
It's awesome. Yes, I feel that vision, that vision and feeling, <clears throat> feeling of belonging and purpose is definitely, I know, what yes. keep me in a job. So, yeah, sure. It is beautiful. I mean, what a beautiful thing to create that together, create truly a team, a common purpose together, which is fulfilling in life. Yes. You're not, you're not only given a good job, you're given fulfillment. Yes. You're given opportunity, growth everything and, 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 and what an honor to do that. Absolutely. And I think right now in this great, um, the, the great exodus or whatever they're calling it from the workforce, I think what you're talking about is going to become even more important and valued by employees. You know, imagine that we're leaving, we, we wouldn't exit if, if, we, if we would have real purpose in our job. We don't leave purpose. We yeah. leave a job. Yes. Yes. Oh. Management, look in the mirror. It's you. <laughs> yes. No, I think I think people definitely need to take a, a, a look in and see what's going on. Oh, but but and then I heard this thing, oh, they don't want anymore today, and they want, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. they don't want anymore. They don't want to more just fulfill a function. Like the chair in which you're sitting is fulfilling a function. They don't want that. They want to be human beings belonging and having purpose. Yes. And you are leadership you are management you are creating it or not creating it and when they leave you that's why they leave you yes i think it's such a great point lots of people need to hear it sorry don't be mad with me at me no. <laughs> they won't be mad they will be mad um and i know i'm getting close to the end of your time i'm keeping you a little bit over um but i do want to talk really quickly so you already touched on this um but you you having cancer i found that out at the very end of your book i had no idea and i think that the ending was probably my favorite part of the book in all honesty after after all of the important important things but um, can you tell us a little more about your personal experience with cancer and how having it changed your life? Well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure you all know if, if you, are, you are told you have cancer and in fact it's a cancer that you will, you will not be here any, anymore in a year from now about. But in fact, I had a, uh, made a speech in John Hopkins University and had dinner and I did, chief oncologist was sitting beside me. He asked me what cancer I had. I said that, and he said, that's impossible. You wouldn't sit here. And then you said, well, 25 years ago, the diagnostic was different. And so you didn't have that cancer because nobody survived it. We then agreed. I, I went back and sent him my slides. Mm -hmm. And he called back and said, I didn't know that anybody survived that cancer. Now, the, 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 the experience was mind boggling. I was treated like a cancer. And not like a human being. Mm. I really felt very sad afterwards how how this was related to me, how I was treated from there when I came to the, to see the doctor and so on and so on. It, it, and I promised myself then to be involved and consequently joined hospitals on the board and teaching and so on that is joining them in a battle to live yes you know that is what i look for i look for somebody to say look me in the eye and say here's what we're going to do and i'm going to stay with you i'm going to fight for you and you can ask me any question i'm here for you that's what i want to hear as i said my doctor had a, my wife had a wonderful doctor who wow. gave her my, my daughter in, in los angeles 
the, the, the surgeon and the oncologist, I mean, the, and the radiologist, they all loved that. Choda laughed, Choda, and, and said, we, we, we're going to work with you. We, we, we're going to make it. We're going to make it. Stay, stay strong. A young lady, she's 37. Oh, gosh. Beautiful, yeah. 37, two small children. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, 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 I mean, that's what you're facing, doctors. Yes. That's the person in front of you. Yes. I, lo I love you all. I love you all. And I know how, and I also know how difficult it is. I can imagine how difficult it is to faint, faint, face this agony every day. Yeah. And I know how difficult it is. So, and I applaud you for what you're doing. I really mean this. But I want to challenge you. Ed, keep the word, keep what you say you are, care. Yes. In the equation. I think that's something we, we all need to hear for sure. Um, every, every member of the team that's coming in contact with that patient. So yeah. even, even more, it's important when you're staying at a hotel, but it's even more important when you're, you're fighting for your life. So. That's right. And then we end every podcast with a fun question. And this season, we're mixing it up for all of our guests. So if you were stranded on a deserted island, um, and you could only have one book with you and we'll leave out, you may be like me and I would say like the Bible, the Sunday school answer. So we'll leave that out. We'll just assume you have it too. Um, any book, what book would you bring? Besides the Bible. That was smart that you took that up because I would have said that I, I would have, um, uh, Aristotle, Okay. And Pluto. Okay. Why? <laughs> because I, so I could really study how they, why they thought who they thought, yeah. study new, uh, study truly new concepts of life okay. and teach myself those new concepts by myself. And because it takes a lot and to study those things, you, it's very, very hard. You need a lot of time, a lot of interception and so on. And then I have, would have time, it would be, because that itself would take so long time by the time, by that time they find me. Okay, <laughs> you give them time. And then I'm going to add on one more and I promise I'll let you go. So, because I would like your wisdom here. To a new graduate, say we have a whole student chapter at ENCODA pharmacy students, but they're graduating and going on to their career. Besides your book, um, what book would you select to gift them when they're leaving? Um, leaving college and entering the workforce or even leaving high school and entering the workforce? Probably I would give him two books. I would give him um, uh, Peter Trucker's book or his books, Peter Trucker okay. and uh, Stephen Covey. Okay. Stephen Covey, you have to read it and I have to Thing into them, and that in, in order to face business and the world in a great sense, both one is uh, Peter Traka about culture, and um, and and Steve Covey about systematically approach growth, getting okay. better, and, and and moving forward, moving forward tomorrow. I would look. I would say. 
read those two books. Okay, well, thank you. Of course, of course read my book for sure. Of course you. I, I want to tell everyone you should read Excellence Wins. Like it really was a great read and I think it opens your eyes to a lot about customer service, employees, leadership, all of it. And we will, in our show notes, we'll put a link to it so you can find it. Um, but I do highly recommend that as a read as well. And I will say, I read my CEO's copy and he had highlighted, and it was really neat for me to see like where he highlighted and the, the points that he found important. I thought that that was cool. Like other yeah. than reading it, it was neat to see what he thought about it. Um, but thank you so much. It has been such an honor, seriously, um, to have you on this podcast and yeah. one of my favorite guests. So I really appreciate it. And thank you for giving us your time today. Thank you. God bless everybody. Thank you very much for having me. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Mr. Schulze. Please join us at ENCODA's International Spring Forum to hear more from him. To download this podcast, you can search the PQI podcast on Spotify and Apple and remember to follow along. You can listen on our website at ENCODA.org. That's N-C-O-D-A.org. You can also follow us on Instagram at the PQI podcast. We would also like to thank Encoda for making this podcast possible, and we hope you join us next week for another edition of the PQI podcast. Thanks, everybody.